Hello and welcome to the movie download. I am QC. And I'm Big J. And we are here to discuss the 75 greatest horror films of all time. Uh, there may be spoilers. Yes. And uh, QC likes to use some language, so watch out for that. <laughs> we really need to nail our introduction a little bit better, I think. This is great, coming at you from Spokane, Washington. This week we are doing, uh, well, we're working on the 20 to 75 list. 21. 21 to 75 list. In no particular order. You gotta be careful with Big J. Math wasn't a strong soon. (laughs) QC has put together this list. And uh, apparently it's in no particular order. So this week we watched... Well, originally I want to discuss this because originally we were going to do the Babadook, but I did switch it. And the reason being was Tenebrae, the next couple films on our list are pretty well known. And Tenebrae, I think most people, unless you are a horror geek or a fan of Italian horror film, probably have never let alone seen nor heard of this film. While the next couple films, I think people had heard. So I switched it just to give people, you know, I wanted to get... A film that most people hadn't heard of. So, we After. watched Tenebrae, we which did. is available on Shudder for $5.99 a month. $4.99 a month. $4.99 a month. You're welcome, Shudder. Yep. Uh, well, we maybe we shouldn't say that. I don't know if it's illegal. <laughs> We're advertising. We're advertising them. without getting paid for it. Um, <laughs> yeah, it is available on Shudder, or it's also available on Prime Video. And that's it. You we couldn't actually rent it on our Apple TV, which is maybe why it's so hard to find. Because a lot of people I know, I do, just rent things on their TV. You know? Yeah, we do. Yeah, just easier. I mean, we have a DVD player that we don't even have hooked up. We're gonna have to start hooking it up soon. But uh, <laughs> for Amazon, <laughs> for Amazon and some of the other films that I do have on DVD, so we can watch them. Mm-hmm. So our number is Tenebrae, which is number 63 on the list. So it's not the high, it's not very high up on the list. Um, And a little bit about Tenebrae, it was released in 1982. And I'll give you the specific date in 1982, although it was kind of hard to find because there isn't a ton known. It's old. It is a little bit old, but it's newer than the last movie we talked about. It is, but the last movie we talked about was an American film. So Uh, it was released on October 28th, 1982. Okay. So, um, it, there's no budget for this film, uh, at least find. that we could find. I'm sure there was a budget for the film. <laughs> I'm sure it just wasn't made with random people on the street. Although maybe some of the acting. Well, we'll get to that in a minute. Uh, it was directed by Dario Argento and written by Dario Argento. And it stars Anthony Francesca, John Saxon, Dario Nicolati. And I apologize for any name I butchered. I'm not, you know, I, I never took Italian. Uh, G- Giuliano Gemma and Mirella D'Angelo and Veronica Lario. Oh, and of course, Ania Pirioni. So, and Evo Robbins. So, Anthony Francesco is stars as Peter Neal, who is an, like a famous writer, kind of like Stephen King, Dean Koontz-esque writer, who is going to promote Rome to promote his new book, Tenebrae. Uh, Tenebrae was, is Latin for shadows or darkness. That's what it means. I don't know what it has to do with the book. Um, and he goes to Rome to go promote the book. And there's some controversy over the book due to the fact that it has 
many of the characters that die are women and promiscuous women in the book mm-hmm. or, you know, women in night in the you know, early eighties, late seventies would have been considered morally questionable, whether they're, you know, gay or, oh, yes. or they sleep around or they're prostitutes, anyways. Mm-hmm. And while that's going while he's in Rome though, there are these murders happening of women who are quote unquote promiscuous or morally questionable characters in you know, not in my view, but just in the view of the killer. Of the society. Right, and maybe of society at that time, correct. Of general society, we should say. And they're getting killed graphically. <laughs> These are some of the cleanest uh, yeah, hookers you've ever seen. Yeah, we'll get to the clean <laughs> hookers in a minute. Um, and so, anyway, so, and basically they're trying to solve the murder. It's a pretty atypical Italian giallo plot. Or gialli, if you want to call it. It's been, I've heard it called both ways. So, a little bit of backstory on Dario Argento. I think it's important to know who he is. Um, I, I am a big fan of Dario Argento. Yes, but I, I think I'll give my reservations on him for a minute. Um, he originally started as a film critic in Italy. And that's how he got into film. And I think the first movie he made was a Western. But then he went to these giallos, or giallis, which are these Italian hard-broiled noir mysteries with graphic violence. That's really what they are. You know, and they are heavily influenced by Alfred Hitchcock. Um, so, and he kind of hit big in the late 60s and the 70s, very similar to Brian De Palma, who's another one who probably cribbed a ton of things off, you know, uh, <laughs> Alfred Hitchcock. So, like, you know, they all have, like, nicknames, and he's considered the Italian ma- maestro of horror, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, although m- some would question maybe that's Mario Bava, but that's up to you to decide. I, I think he's better, the films he made were overall better than Mario Bava's. So I would technically give it to Dario Argento, although Baba was first. A little well-known fact. So um, the first couple movies he made were all based off animals. There was Cat of Nine Tails, uh, Birds of a Crystal Plumage, and then there was a Four Flies on Grey Velvet. And those were kind of all like, you know, they were all giallos, they were all based, but they all had animal themes, as you can tell from the titles. With great titles, by the way. Bird of a Crystal Plumage. You know, Four Flies on Grey Velvet. I'm lost. You're talking deep nerd movie stuff. Deep nerd movie stuff. Okay, so the, <laughs> the basic, but then he made Deep Red, which is kind of like the, the pinnacle, the quintessential giallo. And basically what it is, is usually someone sees a murder. Okay. It, they try to, it shocks them to a point where it's it's in their head constantly. It replays over via memory, but they can't remember everything or we're not shown everything. And they're always trying to remember things through, you know, the clue is in the memory, mm-hmm. not necessarily in clues, which is similar to Tenebrae. Again, the clues don't really matter. It's all in the memory. It's all in the mind. It's all psychological that way because the plot does not matter in Deep Red, probably the plot is the most well done, but for the most part, that's what it's based on. Giallos are generally based on people remembering things. Hmm. Um, the killers always wear black gloves and trench coats and hats. And, you know, it's very Italian that way. It's very, you know, uh, Sherlock Holmes-esque also, you could say. But Tenebrae is 
so he so Argento split from Giallo for a little bit and made Suspiria and Inferno, which are both more supernatural horrors. Although, I mean, when we talk, we will be talking about Suspiria. I'm not going to spoil where we'll be talking about Suspiria, but we will be. Um, it still definitely has a lot of Giallo influences. I mean, even the killer still had, wears black gloves in both Inferno and Suspiria, even though it's supernatural things are going on. So to him, supernatural things don't like scare you to death or kill you. They kill you with a knife. <laughs> um, so he did Suspiria and Inferno, and then he went back to Giallo with Tenebrae. And to some, Tenebrae is considered the last great Argento film. Mm. Um, I'm... I'm actually going to agree with that. Although I think Phenomena has moments that work. And opera is incredibly gory and definitely has a great idea. I don't know if it works as well. But I do think Tenebrae is the last great one he made. I think that was kind of the end of the Argento era. And I think the reason the Argento era ended is because of the new technology. Doesn't really go with his film style. Like, with his direction, directorial style, the way he likes to film things. His movies, I have a tendency to think, are something like I like to call hyper-reality. Where they're not really real, but they're not really fantasy. They take place in some version of the real world, but it's only <laughs> this version that's seen through a very different glass lens. So it's hyper-realistic. He has a way of filming uh, colors and and the way that he like sets up his scenes mm -hmm. and takes a film. I mean, the one example like I remember, you know, like where the motorcycle's coming in, the, we're up in the trees, right. like looking down. He's very picky about his angles that we view things. Well, and this takes place in Rome. Um, this film does, and it, actually a lot of it takes place in the suburb suburbs of Rome, and you really don't see that many extra people. So it's weird. Rome's a huge city. Thank you'd see people. And mm -hmm. it almost feels like, you know, we're in a different part of Rome or he like that's why I say hyper realism. It doesn't seem like it takes place in today's world. It seems like it play, takes place in almost like not even futuristic, more like alternate. It could be alternate, okay. Alternate or futuristic. Or futuristic. Without like necessarily saying this is very futuristic. This is alternate. You know, it's never said. I'm just saying, as in Tenebrae specifically, it feels very, you know, dystopian in some ways. Even though it's never said, no one's warning you, you know what I mean? There's no, this is dystopian, you know what I mean? There's nothing. That's true. Um, so, I mean, Tenebrae was kind of both a return to Giallo and also the most meta and self-reflective film Argento ever has ever done. I mean, Argento you know, is known per, for really three things, generally, if you know him. I mean, I can, there's a million things known for, but we can just get down to the brass taxes here. He's known for stunning, like, very specific camera work, as you were talking about, the scene where he's up all the way, the bird's eye view, and with the crane coming all the way down just to look at a motorcycle. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, that had to take a lot of setup. Right, the scene in the apartment when he goes out to look at the woman from the window, goes all the way up to the rafters, goes all the way up to look at the other woman in the window, and That's goes all the way cool. up the roof. Just, But, I mean, there's no point to that. It, it's very cool. directed. <laughs> yeah, it's cool, <laughs> but it's directed. He's known for incredibly beautiful colors, and he's known for killing women in incredibly graphic ways that almost looks like art. Yeah, he likes... He likes crazy bright red fake blood 
but in graphic <laughs> in copious amounts right. and it's generally women and it's mm-hmm. generally beautiful women mm-hmm. he does like to kill beautiful women and he? he unfortunately he stated very um probably not the greatest thing he's ever said in his life uh that he said you know he's he would rather watch a beautiful woman die on screen Mm. Which, I don't know if that sat well with him. And it didn't sat well with a lot of his critics. It didn't really answer the question. He just kind of evaded his answer. You know what I mean? I don't think he knows the answers to the question. Um, so Tenebrae is essentially, you know, it, it discusses sexism a lot. While some of the kill, you know, why the killer is is sexist. Mm-hmm. Both killers. Well, we'll get to, well, I guess we're spoiling it. So both killers are sexist, really. So does that mean Argento is sexist? You know, I mean... The Peter Neal character seems to be a lot like Argento. Seems to have a lot of, you know, similar views. Argento has been accused of being sexist or homophobic, but then he says, no, I'm just talking. The person is. They're psychotic. I don't think these people mm. are normal. And there's nothing wrong with being gay. You know, I mean, there's always subtle things in our Argento film, so it's up to you to interpret mm. how much of it. I think he's kind of taking the piss with this one a little bit, and I mean that, you know, like... I think he is kind of rubbing people's faces in it. I think it's purposefully provocative. It's definitely the most erotic film he's ever done. You know, when you watch Deep Red, when you watch this period, there is not a very sexual... There's almost nothing sexual going on in either of those films. Um, This one, there is quite a bit of sexual... um, I mean, not... There's not sex in it, necessarily. There's nudity. Um, There's definitely a sexualness to it. You know, I would go back to the flashback of the, I don't know if it's rape or sexual, it's weird, with the girl with the red high heel when she shoves it into the boy's mouth to humiliate him. Yeah, it's some sort of like, it's interesting. It's very interesting. It's definitely a mockery of some sorts. Absolutely. And I think what the most interesting thing about that is, you know... The actress who plays that character, um, the girl in the white dress, or pink dress, I don't remember what color. It's probably both, actually. I think she wears both white and pink. <clears throat> um, she is, you know, she's a transgender in real life. But she's not cast as transgen- transgender. She's cast as a woman. So I think that's, you know, again, Argento kind of subtly maybe putting his beliefs. But who knows? Maybe he is really a sexist gross pig. He could very well be. I, I couldn't I couldn't tell you either way. So, I mean, Tenebrae... Okay, so I guess we should discuss... Let's just get out the bad stuff now of Tenebrae, okay? <laughs> if you're watching an Argento film, and if you're watching an Italian film, you have to remember they did not record sound in those films. <laughs> so the dubbing, it's there. And it's There's some terrible. awful dubbing. The voice changes. changes and... And it doesn't really match. <laughs> and you can tell some actors' voices do match what they're saying, and others don't. <laughs> Some loud, screechy voices where they were not necessary. And it sounds, and the dialogue is flat, because it's terrible dubbing. It's dubbing that was probably done, like, on a quick afternoon, like how we're doing this podcast. Mm -hmm. It's like, Tilda, I want to go home with him. (laughs) You slut. The the dubbing was awful. It's terrible. And unfortunately, this one probably has the most dialogue of any of his films. So, um... Yeah, and you could tell, like, Dario Nicolotti, who plays um, his secretary, Anne, she um, doesn't speak English all that well. I don't think she speaks, like, more than a couple words. It's clearly not her dubbing it. It doesn't even sound like it would come from that. That voice doesn't even sound like it would come from that body. It was actually one of my favorite actresses from the late 70s, early 80s, Mm. Teresa Russell, who did her dubbing. (laughs) 
oh, oh, Peter. It's very like that. And poor mm-hmm. Therese Russell. Not that she's not a great actress, but I mean, dubbing is dubbing, you know. Then just cast Teresa, Teresa Russell. <laughs> you know, I mean, that would have been interesting. Teresa Russell in an Argento film. I would kill to see that. Maybe not now, actually, because Argento now. Anyways, uh, you know, Argento now, it, it's kind of sad, to be honest with you. Um, I, I, it's bad a lot of the time. Um, I don't know if it's that he lost his mojo. Like I said, I just think that maybe the new technology, some of the new film, digital things... I think he lost some of the magic and luster that his films, like I said, that re- so now it kind of looks cheesy. He uses mm. a lot of terrible CGI and please stop. Just, go, you know, either if you can't do it, just go back. You have a legacy that will, people will remember you for till the end of time. So anyways, like I said, there's Deep Red and Suspiria. Those are generally speaking considered Argento's best films. Okay. Tenebrae is usually also thrown in there. Um, Maitland McDonough, who wrote a beautiful, one of my favorite critics, if you guys should really look her up on Twitter, she's fabulous. She's such a great thing. She's She talks about gay erotica and horror films pretty um, in-depth, and she's got a lot of great knowledge. So if you can find her, find her. She's fabulous. Mm-hmm. Um, she wrote a book called Broken Dreams and Broken Minds, and she considers this also one of his most erotic uh, and could be considered one of his finest films to date. I think directing-wise, that is true. You know, get over the flat dialogue and some of the stiff acting. So, okay, the stiff acting. It is stunningly shot. The opening scene of Peter Neal riding his bicycle all the way down what looked like Manhattan. I'm sure it was Rome of some sort. But it looked like, you know, New York or in that area is to that amazing score by Goblin. You know, do, 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 do. It's, you know, that just continuously plays throughout the whole film. It's, first off, a great way to open your film. He, he knows how to open films. I mean, if you think about Suspiria, the way that film to open with, you know, Susie, in a similar way. It's, they all kind of open at airports, both these films do. Um, or getting ready to go to the airport. Or the amazing shot of, you know, the, the, the uh, shoplifter. Mm-hmm. Ania Peroni, when she's, you know, the creepy guy, the gross homeless guy is like at her sliding to her window and he, all of a sudden he looks scared, but you only see the reflection. And if you're paying attention, you can see the reflection of the killer in the black mask. And all of a sudden she gets grabbed and then, you know, it's very graphic death. And then, you know, when the cut happens, you know, all of a sudden you hear the slice, you see her eyes widen, those beautiful blue eyes that she had. And then, you know, you see her fall. And then you see the, the camera being taken and the sound of the picture. And it's all done within 30 seconds. Yeah, this person's a creeper. They take pictures and so, of every murder. Right. It's cut so beautifully. It's shot so elegantly. I mean, the scenes of people, like, grabbing light bulbs or putting out light bulbs, all done in those beautiful Yeah, close-ups. there was a couple of times that he killed light bulbs or... With or his razor. Or, of course, the most... The killer. Right, the most well-known scene when the girl is trying to get her shirt on mm-hmm. and the killer comes and you see the cut of the shirt, the rip open of the shirt. So you can see the person's. Oh yeah. That's kind of an interesting shot yeah, too. Beautiful. It's actually films like through the hole of the yeah. shirt. Um, great, great scene. Um, you know, and then of course my personal favorite of which will, I won't get into too much cause it's actually going to be coming in later is there's two 
it's towards the end of the film, which is where the movie, I think, really ramps up. Um, when Veronica Lario is with her gun, for whatever reason. I don't know why she's sitting with a gun. It doesn't really, which we'll get into, the plot makes no sense. Uh, um, I mean... <laughs> I guess that just leads into, what doesn't work for you? Uh, it, so she gets her arm cut off, and then that, that stunning shot of all the blood yeah, hitting the, blood, the wall. The I mean, yes, it should scene. gross you out, but it looks like a painting, and she's in that beautiful white dress with all the... And all the fashion in this film is very Italian. It's all these cream pastel colors which i know seems weird to t- be discussing but i think in a horror film it's kind of important this is a very chic and fashionable horror film oh yeah and i think the reason it is is because when the murder does happen you see all these bright candy colors well he definitely uses his color uh his his desire for bright colors i don't know the way he well, the, films the whites against the splashes what i'm talking about like the whites the pastels against those reds the whites against those blood red mm-hmm. I, it just looks it just looks better i think is what it is for so that's not what that's what doesn't work for you no that's what works for me amazingly i'm talking okay. about what, what i'm talking okay. about just amazing like shot after shot after shot of direction or of course one of the greatest scenes is when the detective stands up and all of a sudden, the ear just looks slightly different. Hmm. And then he bends down, and you see there's somebody behind him. That was terrifying. It's a great scene. It's a great scare. <laughs> and it's it's shot so beautifully. It's mm-hmm. just shot perfectly. There's literally not one... I don't know. The genius. Genius. I mean, or the scene where the axe, you know, when the person walks in the door, and the axe all of a sudden hits their back randomly. Mm-hmm. It almost seems like it was a prop door, even though it was a... It's just... It's shot amazingly. It's blocked fantastically you know when we talk about blo- blocking is important in a film and this film is blocked beautifully even mm-hmm. if it's not acted beautifully but i don't necessarily blame the actors if i just blame you know what i mean it's just the the worst part for me was definitely the terrible dubbing it's so awful it's distracting yeah. and it's awful it would make the film it would make the film a lot more uh it didn't make it a lot more intense had it had a better uh, well, it, a better dubbing. It's then. frustrating when some of the dubbing is fine, like um, from Peter Neal and his friend, uh, played by John Saxon. His, yeah, and then half of it's just an afterthought. Those two though. sound like they're actually acting. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, I think a lot of the Italian actors in the film clearly didn't speak English, so it's <laughs> that's where you get a lot of the "Hello, I'm Maria." <laughs> no, fuck you. <laughs> I love when people swear in dubbing because it sounds terrible. They try really hard. <laughs> the fuck in the movie. There's like four of them. And they're and hysterical. And they're like, like, fuck you. Yes, <laughs> it's like so angry. funny. It's so... It's You're very, like, really? <laughs> not that they wouldn't be angry, but it just doesn't sound angry. It sounds flat. Um, but I think the, one of the reasons why... Tenebrae is a movie that I think is a sensual experience. But it's funny because he is commenting and critiquing on whether you should be having that sensual experience. And are you sexist? And are you misogynistic? For you know, There is definitely a lot of... Which I really... Which is why Tenebrae is on my list, mainly. Mm. That dichotomy that meta feeling that he brings to the film that's those those i think it's one of the best directed films he's ever done if not the best and i think it moves beautifully even though it is terribly dubbed it is not boring <laughs> no it's a very engaging film and it um, i mean it is it is just film 
beautifully. That's that's it's the shot truth of the matter. Fabulously, there. fabulously. Okay, so what? Let's talk about what didn't work. Um, other than the flat dialogue and flat acting, I, to me the biggest thing, and I'll ask you as well, is that the plot doesn't really make sense. I mean, there are characters. For example, the character of Jane, who is Peter Neal's um, wife. Um, you don't or fiance. You you don't really know. They don't really ever explain it to you. There's no dialogue involved with it other than you just kind of guess. Agreed? Yeah. And then she comes in at the end of the movie and she's like a big, kind of an important character towards the end. Yeah, but she doesn't exist throughout the film. Or at least... Or at her least, name's there. Her name's there, but her name's even not there. Like, it's not important. I don't mind that she doesn't exist throughout the whole film. But then she needs to be some type of an important character. And she's completely forgotten about for the first first five minutes she's important. <laughs> and then the last 30 minutes she's important. And that's it. There's no hints to it other than that. And I think sometimes the plot gets bogged down in the terrible dubbing. She can't always hear what they're saying. God, subtitles would have helped for this. I don't know if it would have changed the acting. <laughs> <laughs> And, you know, I mean, it's pretty easy to guess both both killers. I mean, the first killer, I don't even think they're trying to hide. But I do think they're trying to hide the fact that Peter Neal... Because in the end of the film, really, um, this guy is killing because he loves Peter Neal. He believes in what Peter Neal's book is doing. And Peter Neal originally is like, no. But then we learn through flashbacks that Peter Neal was sexually humiliated. Let's just use that word for now. Because like, the movie is not clear enough where I don't want to go. And then kills the girl who sexually humiliated him. Mm. Um, and got away with it. So he ends up actually being a killer and ends up killing the killer and then using that as an alibi so he can kill his <laughs> skanky fiance, his book agent who are, you know, and then everyone else who catches them. Um, so he definitely, you know, it, th- th- I don't know. You guessed it within two seconds. Mm-hmm. You knew who it was. Mm-hmm. You knew it was Peter Neal. Mm-hmm. It doesn't hide it very well. No. Um, but I mean, there's a, there's a goofy twist, so whatever it is. I actually didn't mind, I don't mind the twist. I actually think the way he reveals it is really genius. And I mean, especially when that stand-up scene, when, you know, Peter Neal's behind the detective. Terrifying. I mean, yeah. That's actually my biggest jump from the whole movie. I was like, oh, oh, that was awful. For me, my biggest jump is definitely (laughs) Veronica Lario, um, character, Jane. Getting mm-hmm. her arm chopped off. Yeah, that's true. That was pretty. That was pretty graphic. I mean, the the last ten minutes. I mean, for the most part, the movie's not actually. The first couple kills are graphic, but nothing you haven't seen before. It's the last couple kills that really go for. You know, it's almost it ends on a very strong note. Nihilistic, I think, would be the word we want to use. I mean, it's dark ending. Yeah, well. Although, just like all... But it ends powerfully. It does, although just like our Argento films, you wish there was like a better way of ending it, because all of his movies just end randomly. Yeah. And with, you know, with um, Dario Nicolotti's character screaming bloody murder. <laughs> Nothing went back to normal. There was no precursor for a new movie. No. <laughs> none of his movies you ever... I mean, they're technically... Suspirius technically has a sequel in Inferno, but they're not related or anything. Um, I mean, it's only technically a sequel. I'm just saying, like... Because they talk about the three mothers, the three witches. But that's the only way it's related. Oh, but otherwise, none of his movies have ever really had sequels. Um, and this is no exception. There's a no sequel to Tenebrae. And this mm. movie, you have to remember, was re- it didn't get released in the U.S., I think, uncut till like, 2002. And it was part of the Video Nasties. I mean, this is... It was released in, like, the 80s called Unsane or whatever. It was terribly reviewed. <laughs> so, it was terribly chopped, chopped and stuff. And and it was, and it's still it, only, like, an hour long. It's an hour and 40 minutes. 
Oh, I thought it was only like an hour. No, it's longer than that. It is. See, but that's a good thing. It movie moves. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's the one thing that works about the film. I think the film moves. It, the plot is nonsensical. The dialogue is terrible. I mean, <laughs> literally, some of the things they say. Jane, are you in Rome? <laughs> <sighs> They're calling Jane to yeah. see if she's at home. Are you in Rome? No, Jane calls her and it's like, if she wasn't in Rome, I'm pretty sure in the 80s they'd have to call you collect. Just um, saying. Yeah. Long distance. And I just love that, yes, I'm in Rome. <laughs> just just a simple yes will do. You know, it's just, it's not... <laughs> nobody talks like that. It's very, you know, um, student movie dialogue, which is fine. Who cares? Um, you know, and maybe it's just the acting. You know, sometimes good actors can sell it, but... I thought even Suspiria, which had cheesy dialogue as well, I think did... I wasn't as bothered by it. Here I noticed it more because it's a detective story. I think mm. that matters. Um, well, all of Argento's films are mysteries, though, and all of them are remembered. If you even think about Suspiria, they're all based on what did that person say or what did that person see? You know, and the person will replay it in the mind. And this time it's the young kid Gianni, the young little cute Italian boy who ends up getting killed, sadly. He's strangled because he remembers too much. I love that. Murder mystery. Don't ever know too much in a murder mystery. You need to know nothing. You will always get killed. You will always get killed before your main character can find out what you know. (laughs) It happens in every movie. They even made fun of it in Hot Fuzz. It's a great movie. Hot Fuzz. We need to go. Everyone should go watch Hot Fuzz. Okay. So, I mean, Tenenbrae, I think we discussed it a little bit. Um, What is the most memorable, memorable scene for you? Oh, definitely the finish. But I need specific finish. Like memorable and horrific. Remember, different things. Mm, yeah. I don't know. Just the finish. The whole last, like, ten? The last ten minutes. Okay. For me, the most memorable scene for me also is the most horrific. I'll choose my second most memorable because my most horrific and memorable are kind of the same thing. So the most memor- second most memorable scene to me is the beautiful tracking shot um, in the double murder of the le- of the two girls when he comes out the window, goes all the way up the apartment uh, building, yeah. comes down the rafters, all the way down to the blinds that the killer is prying open. But really the most memorable scene to me and the most horrific scene is Jane's death. That scene is... It, the way the axe crashes through the window and poof, poof, chops off her hand and then all of a sudden... <laughs> Like yeah, blood, that's pretty unexpected. And then all of a sudden, she's stabbed in the back again, and just the way it's shot, and the way she—it almost seems like she's floating, like like a ballerina dance or something throughout the whole movie, throughout that scene, I guess I should mm. say. And it's it's wow. I mean, and a lot of directors, Quentin Tarantino, and lots of them have excited that. So that is the most memorable scene for me. And remember, Tenebrae is unrated. In case anyone was surprised by this. <laughs> Um, and what would be your star rating? I would give it two stars out of four. Two out of I think four? It's a great uh, lazy afternoon movie. If you want to watch it and just hang out and watch it, then. Two out of four, that is a not recommendation. I think if you were laying around and bored, you should watch Tenebrae. <laughs> so clearly, Big J didn't enjoy this one as much as I did. Well, you're a. Argento fan. I am an Argento fan. I actually don't think two out of four. I would give it a... Th- I'm giving it a three and a half out of four. 
And it's what number on your 63. list? I question its placement on your list. No, because there are most, three and a half stars. most of everything on my list at this point has three and a half stars, actually. In fact, but you're and world peace. Three and a half stars, but it's in the 60 something place. Well, there are stronger three and a half star movies. So <laughs> I'm not going <laughs> to. I mean, The Omen got three. Okay, here's why. Okay, this is a really good example. I'm actually glad you brought this up. We have about two minutes. We're going to finish this up. Okay, so really quickly, the reason, uh, for example, The Omen ranked a little higher than this. Mm-hmm. Um, I think The Omen is considered a classic, and I, I I looked into everything. Like, what was its cultural impact at the time? What, you know, how did it, does it have something more to say other than just blood and guts? I'm giving you my personal opinion. I know what you're giving me, but I'm explaining to you this. So for me, even though the I think it's a slight, I would rather watch this movie than The Omen. Okay. Okay. I think The Omen had more of a cultural impact on society. Hmm. So that's why it's there are four spots different. Okay. There you go. And some I'm movies, sure my film appreciation teacher, Miss Lisa Humphreys, <laughs> she probably has this movie. I'm sure. I think a lot of film teachers do. Although there's some people who really hate it. I'm sure, like Argento. Who's he? But that's thing. I think people should know who Dario Argento is. Mm-hmm. This is not the movie. I think you should start with. You should probably start with Suspiria, then Deep Red, then do Tenebrae. Okay. Salad. So, okay. So next week we'll be discussing. David Lynch's 1988 masterpiece, Blue Velvet, a movie I'm super excited. Have you seen Blue Velvet, Big J? I haven't seen anything on the list. Uh, <laughs> you have to. Shut up. Uh, no, I plead the fifth. I don't think I've seen Blue Velvet. No, it's okay. Not a lot of people have. Blue Velvet, very David Lynch. But he did. we did just watch the Twin Peaks revival, which maybe eventually on this podcast we will do like a Twin Peaks revival discussion because I loved it so much. We'll invite someone else for that. Whatever. You watched all 18 episodes with me. I did. And you made it and through. And I was lost on 16 out of 18 episodes. <laughs> I was like, where are we again? We're in Twin Peaks, is what I kept telling him. This is Lynchland. It's Lynchland. Um, Blue Velvet is definitely... Then we go up into the red. But I actually think since you watched the Twin Peaks revival, to me, Blue Velvet would be cakewalk. I understand his crazy mind now. Yeah. Like, yeah where yeah. are we? Oh, we moved 16 places in one scene. Great. Um, and Blue Velvet, just so you guys are aware, is number 30 on the list. So we're actually going to go way Ooh. high up next week. Yeah, top 30 next week. So. I'm expecting a three and a half star rating. And we're also going to be having a uh, <laughs> special guest here shortly. So I'm super excited about bringing on a special guest. Big J will be in the background probably showing people to shut up and move on to the next topic to me. Big J will be napping. Yeah, and Big J will not be napping. He's so full of it. Um, if you guys have any questions, please feel free to hit me up at Twitter. My Twitter handle is at the real CML1688, and you'll actually see a picture of our movie download with QC, as well as a background picture of Suspiria. You can ask me any question or PM me if you would like. Also, we will have our new Instagram up and our new website up shortly, so I will have all those linked to our website. We're really excited to get this started. Please feel free to ask us any questions. Maybe at the end of each podcast, we'll answer those. Share your opinions. Share the link. And note that any negative thing, I'll just block you. So I don't really care. Oh, I'll read your negative comments. <laughs> I mean, maybe, uh, maybe we'll the do QC. It. The QC doesn't do their critiques for a while. <laughs> As I'm doing this podcast, he's full of shit. All right. With that being said, I am QC. I maybe Big J. All of a sudden, Big J is having a personality identity identity crisis. crisis. And we are signing off. Until then, 
happy happy day, happy life, happy wife, you know, the whole... I thought you were going to say happy New Year's. Yeah, I don't know what I was thinking of, actually. I'm not completely... Happy July! I need a mocha mix, all right? Have a wonderful day, and I hope you guys had a safe 4th of July. Thank you. Have a great night. Bye!